need an escape. Welcome to Renegade Pop Culture. All right. Hello, everybody. We are here. Just got yesterday with Loki. Very happy with that. And part two of the Marvel theme weekend is going to be us talking about the Marvels. I am very happy to have Meredith back with us. Very, very excited. It's been a hot minute since we've gotten you on a podcast. And, you know, since you are the guest here, we're going to kind of let you talk on what you're all expecting your general thoughts on the movie. Go ahead. Yeah. I think for having me back um i have to admit my expectations were kind of low with the marbles i've been kind of in a rut with all since uh since secret invasion it just did not meet my expectations i really it was so hyped for that show and then this summer i just kind of like stepped back from a lot of this and um yeah i just wasn't sure what i was going to actually get from the marbles and I have to say, I just had a blast watching this movie. I love all three of these characters. So to have Carol, Monica, and Kamala all together, and that's what mattered most to me. And it met my expectations and then some. I, it was just really nice for my marble heart. Let's find it gone really soft or like just hasn't really cared about normal this summer to just feel excited about Marvel again. And I think they did a really well done job with like their story. Do I think it's perfect? No, I still think Guardian 3 is the best movie from Marvel this year, hands down. Uh, well, actually, across Spider Verse, that's a different story. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as far as the MCU, Guardian 3, I think, is still the best. But this one really leaned into having fun with them and also kind of filled in some details that. We had been missing for it. for Carol, for Monica in particular. I think the standout, obviously, is Amon Navalani as Kamala Khan. She is fantastic. I want nothing but the world for her. And obviously, the ending just like has me excited again about the future of Marvel. And I really love that starting with Ant Man 3 uh, with Quantum Adian, using the mid credit and post credit scenes correctly and yes. actually like teasing something exciting that is coming and oh my gosh i can't wait to talk about all of that um oh, so those are my overall thoughts i think it's really fun and i'm excited to be excited about marvel again and fun fact i started watching loki today so i can catch up on that so no spoilers for that for me i'm two episodes in i'm going to finish by tomorrow oh the great things about the ending so i'm I'm excited to be back on the Marvel hype train again. Thank so. you for mentioning you haven't seen it because that will curb what I'm going to say. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, I, I was going to say like I, I, I appreciate that because if all three of us were caught up with Loki, this podcast could go for pretty pretty much an infinite amount of time. But and guys in the comments, please keep your Loki spoilers to a minimum. Yes. I have the comments not even on. I'm not even looking at them. So there you go. if Smart you choice. Spoil, you can in the comments. I'm not looking at them. I they have to say also for, Lo for Loki and for the Marvels, I have been unspoiled. Like I walked into that nice. movie nice. not being spoiled by anything. I haven't been spoiled about Loki, honestly. People have been very 
vague as far as their reactions, like talking about the finale. So I feel very good and in the clear about that, which is nice because typically that's not usually the case. I will say one thing about Loki, and this will get you excited. I was a fan of Hiddleston and all that, but I wasn't like a super obsessed fan of like, I really is a really good actor, but just like Loki kind of was in the middle there. So he didn't do a whole lot. He is in like my now thinking about it. Like, I think he has the third best storyline in the MCU ever below Iron Man and Cap. And I, and I mean that with my whole heart and we'll fight on it the end of season two you as, as a captain america fan i have to agree yeah it's like steve's wow. my favorite character they've ever done and he is right there with them wow it is the best natural progression towards a thing in writing that they've done and i said this with mike what what's the writer's name again eric martin needs to write kane dynasty and i said this to him as well this is the best thing outside of movies that marvel has ever done it literally throws everything else in the trash, including Netflix, everything. And I mean that. It's insane. Okay, that's a bold <laughs> take there. It, it's in, they do so much. It's take like 12 episodes with both seasons. It's insane. <laughs> it's really good. And Tom okay. deserves every award. But Mike, overall thoughts on the movie and what's your expectation? Overall thoughts. Going into this movie, I, I was always kind of going in with cautiously optimistic expectations just knowing a how the sausage is made at marvel but also admittedly some of the reporting about the movie has maybe tempered my expectations from the time it was initially announced but with that being said i also just being a fan of director nia Costa's previous work her her take on Candyman is excellent i've yet to see her debut but I'm just generally a fan of her work going into this. And also, at the time, Miss Marvel was one of my favorite of the Disney Plus shows. So the fact that she gets to actually interact with her idol just made the premise for this movie all the more exciting. And having now seen the film twice, I can say that Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is still the best MCU movie. And as we've discussed in great detail, Loki is the best thing that Marvel has done, at the very least, post-Endgame. But this, I would say the Marvels is in between Guardians 3 and Quantumania. My biggest takeaway is it is just really fun seeing these three heroes bouncing off each other and how their own individual arcs gel, not completely seamlessly, but whether or not you've seen all of the prerequisite material, I think you can understand where they are in this movie pretty... Like, you don't have to have seen everything to understand what they're going through in this film. I do have some critiques about other elements, particularly the antagonist. But overall, I think the experience outweighs a lot of the lower points. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Going into this, it was very hard to tell what the movie was about from the trailers. (laughs) So... I, I kind of was just went, it's going to be a Marvel movie. You've got the main three involved. I'm happy. I'm not one of those people that just sees Brie Larson's face and wants to explode. I, I don't understand it. I never will. But hey, she wears Crocs, so a certain person can't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. When I saw that, I was like, ha ha. <laughs> but anyway, um, no, it was uh, 
It was good. I'm liking the trend in recent superhero movies where we started to be okay with putting rap songs in them. It's happened in like four of the past superhero movies, including TMNT. And I'm very happy. When Intergalactic popped off, I was a very, very happy child. <laughs> I was like, more Beastie Boys in my Marvel movies, please. There's another musical. Uh, I was about to drop. say, there's a certain needle drop that I will be talking about in detail. But Intergalactic is great. I'm glad that they used that from the trailer and brought it into the movie, too. So. Yes. Yes. Um, like I said, we'll have some when we get to the negatives where... I think we're going to have the same universal negative and it'll be the one time where I kind of agree with people on a certain thing. But uh, yeah, it was good. They're setting stuff up again. It's starting to get towards, we weirdly had the start of phase one for about like nine films and six shows. And now we're getting towards the back end of phase one <laughs> with all this stuff. So it felt more jarring, but now we're actually getting all this stuff closing in on where the end game is of it. So it's starting to more tie into itself and it's really good. I'm liking that we're getting more space stuff. It's just, I, my expectations were met. I was not expecting to be blown away. I was having a fun time. And I had a explosion at the credits. We'll talk about that later. I want to point something out that I have been loving about the Marvel cosmic visual presentation ever since the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Whenever they're traveling between like space or just other dimensions, they're very consistent with the visual language of yeah. interdimensional travel. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I love that they have been using like I believe they first started using it in the jump points with uh, Guardians Volume 2 um, yep. with a particular shape of the hexagon. So the fact that they've been keeping that consistent is like, we love to see cohesion like that. Yes, it makes you ask less questions than what they've kind of done sometimes with the multiverse. <laughs> when you dream, you're seeing someone else's reality. What? <laughs> Excuse me? When was that the rule? But uh but yeah, oh it's all right. So we'll get the positives before we get to what I believe we're going to agree on. That's very same negative. As far as positives, all all the actors are great. Everyone was casted well. They had great chemistry. And just getting to see these people that needed to interact, interact. Mike put something on Twitter, and I greatly agree with him. A, because it's happened in a movie with a different character and a different main Avenger. And also, it is a part of who the character is. If I can comment on this. Um, <laughs> I, first of all, I admittedly regret tweeting that out because A, the differences are that Kamala is not necessarily the main protagonist in this movie. She is one of three. But also, people have been negatively comparing Tom Holland's Peter Parker to Tony Stark, calling him, like, Iron Boy or Iron Man Jr. I, I personally think I tweeted that out in bad faith. No, but, but you, you were correct, though. Oh, no, no. I was, I was absolutely correct. Correct. I, I was absolutely correct. I, it's, just, it's just the argument I made was in bad faith. But going back to Kamala... Yeah, her whole, like, fangirling over superheroes in general, but especially Carol Danvers, that has been baked into her character, not even since the start of the series, but, like, her very introduction in the yeah. comics. 
It's part of who she yeah. is. <laughs> it's like having Spider-Man and say, guess what? You can't get bit by a spider and you can't be a reporter. So what am I? <laughs> but okay. Also, teenage person who lives in Queens, lives a sheltered life, gets to go nowhere, and is a comic book nerd. You're telling me you're going to respond differently in that situation? If I'm sitting here and Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson rolled in my front yard, I'm a 32-year-old adult. I'm turning into a 10-year-old. Exactly. See, like, Kamala <laughs> is all of us, okay? And that's the thing that kind of gets me annoyed when I've been seeing some of those comments of like, oh, isn't it weird that she fangirls? That is literally her character. She is the avatar for us of how we get so excited about these characters. And after living through the Battle of New York, living in a world with the Avengers, they're practically celebrities. Of course, she's going to fangirl over her favorite superhero. And then she happens to meet her. I love that in the beginning of this movie, yes. they brought back the animation style from yes. Miss Marvel yes. to show it to like for people who didn't know that she was a fangirl, they laid it out perfectly of like, mm -hmm. hey, she thinks Carol Danvers is the greatest thing to ever walk on planet Earth. And like one day she wants to meet her, team up with her and be besties um and it just makes sense and you know yeah if we're watching the younger generation who has been around all of these superheroes for years of course they're going to feel some type of way kate bishop was that way over hawkeye when she first met yep. him and we yep. all were fine with that that is literally yep. how she was introduced in the comic so yeah I never want to be a person on a soapbox being like, listen here and ranting, but like, come on, this is like part of their characters. And I think the way that Amon does it, she is so genuine about it. And like, there is no like bite or sarcasm. It's just like wholesome. Mm -hmm. And I just love seeing that. And yeah. she and her family were just such a highlight for the movie. I love that they kept her family involved yes. in yes. Uh, the stuff because they brought so much just comedic gold. Like when things were starting to slow down, they would pop to them and they would have this funny exchange with somebody on Saber and it just like worked, you know? Yes, it, it, this actually is kind of why the execution of this movie reminds me a lot of like phase one and phase two where we had more civilians <laughs> getting to be the, like the peanut gallery of uh -huh. the main story. Yep. And it honestly was kind of surprising how involved the rest of Kamala's family was. I thought at most we would only see them in like the first act when mm -hmm. all of the chaos is like starting to happen. But the fact that that Fury brought them aboard Saber was just an, a nice added touch. It was because it's weird how in all these movies, every Marvel hero has their crew. Carol's other than Nick is dead. <laughs> So she yeah. does it. It now it turns into Kamala. It turns into Monica and Monica's family. So she now has her crew. So she has those people that are going to be around her. So I was like that they got turned into her little posse of people that they have around. And they were great. They were the best part of the show. Anyone who hasn't seen Miss Marvel, it was bordering on if we had a Lizzie McGuire superhero show. Oh my gosh. It was so <laughs> delightful. I really love most of Miss Marvel. I think there's like two episodes where I'm like, eh, it dips a little bit, but like, it is so much fun. If you've seen the Marvels and you haven't seen Miss Marvel, oh my gosh, please watch Miss Marvel now. Just yes. Uh, 
it's really good that like you mentioned earlier the stuff with the animation that they do with like the pit the walls and the graffiti and moving and different it was really good yeah that was going to be like i love the representation of that because we're going to have more of that which when we get to the stuff at the end of the movie we get to see a thing that everyone's been waiting to happen but they've been like yeah we're just not sure when we're gonna do that you're really good at lying mr feige um <laughs> uh other positives like you said the space stuff Really good. I like how they're still addressing that Carol does not know everything yet. She's barely gotten her life back together, and she's been trying to get it back together since the 80s? The 90s. 90s, 90s, yeah. It's been 30 years. Which yeah. As, as a 90s kid, I'm like, whoa, that, that hits. When I hear 30 years ago, I think the 70s, because I'm still a 90s child, and then I'm like, what do you mean that was when I was born? Stop it. My knees hurt just hearing it. <laughs> but in like, also, I know nothing. They could have made this character up as far as the villain goes. But I actually like that you had someone pick up the mantle of the accuser. Yeah. <laughs> that was a cool little touch. Because, again, I had no idea what was happening. And the fights involving that with the switching was awesome. Like, the one so point... Well, edited was, and choreographed, the yeah. cinematography, well, all of it was just like, whoa, this is great. Like, like, in particular, there's one shot where I want to say it's Carol, comes in with the hammer, gets stopped at the neck. One of the other ones spins it around, and then they flip and then crack him in the head from the other direction. Yes! <laughs> I, I need to see, like, behind-the-scenes... Um, the malarkey behind that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want to know exactly what it, what it went into the fight choreography of this because they, they do some really impressive uh, staging, particularly with the first fight scene that mm-hmm. happens in, in the, the living room. I can't even imagine. That was so that. well done. I really loved how that ended up coming together. Mike, more of your positives on the movie. I like how a lot of Carol's arc in this movie, it recontextualizes a lot of the first movie, particularly, A, the reason why it takes place in the 90s, so that they can introduce Monica Rambeau in present day, but also have some sort of familial connection between Carol and Maria. And also, just on a side note, because we'll get to the mid-credits later, it's just really nice to see Lashana Lynch more often in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I, I I hope that doesn't slow down anytime soon. Yeah, for the brief time we had her in uh, Multiverse of Madness, uh, just to have more Lashana Lynch, I just, she's used better, let's say, in this round than when we saw her in Doctor Strange too. Uh, yes, for sure. I still can't believe we got that scene in Doctor Strange <laughs> I call what? it would be aggressively fine. <laughs> That's the nicest way I can put it. Fair. The other one I'll mention is just, again, bring me more rap music in my, like, that that whole bonding moment with intergalactic playing where they're literally doing stuff to figure out um what level of their powers work with other things to get it up to speed so they're not playing goofy adventures. Oh, no. <laughs> Through the whole movie. It was fantastic. Meredith? Oh, okay, you know they had to have that scene so there wouldn't be people on there being like, well, how do they get good at this? Blah, blah, yep. blah. You know, yep. they, they're all three exactly. capable women that could take the time to have that training montage, which was a lot of fun. I also love the double dutch being thrown into the mix and Kamala being like, any second now, just like, just, just give me a second. <laughs> I used to feel that way when I was younger. 
no, I need to talk about my favorite needle drop in this movie. And it just so happens my cat is right next to me and it plays in perfectly because if you've spent any time with me on the internet, you know, I have an unhealthy level fascination with uh, cats, the 2019 movie. Um, not because it's good. It's so bad. It's hilarious to watch. I adore cats for that reason. Uh So when memories starts playing, I just start crying laughing. I cannot believe that they just dropped memories from cats, the musical, as they have this scene of taking clerkins and getting them to swallow up people so that they could escape. That was hilarious. That was brilliant. I wanted to stand up and just clap in the theater, but I didn't. But my dad had to put up with me just laughing hysterically. I'm like, oh my gosh, they did it. Like, cats is canon in the MCU. I love it. Get Like, yes, you have Rogers the musical, but now we've got cats. Come on. Get, I want more of this. This was excellent. This is the fun I've been waiting for. Oh, yeah. I, I have to agree. The Well, leading up to that, Goose gets a lot more screen time here than I think he even did in the first one. From being more of Carol's like animal sidekick to okay, first of all, I have to ask: Is Goose a female? I don't know. Or are Flurkins um like could Flurkins reproduce asexually? I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if Flurkins have genders. Okay. <laughs> I... <laughs> I'm just gonna be totally honest with you. <laughs> I don't know. How did you get the name Goose? Did Carol call him Goose? Carol called him Goose. Um, his name was initially supposed to be Chewie, I believe, in the comics because it okay. was a Star Wars reference. But then oh. because of the Air Force stuff, they changed it to Goose, which would be right. like yeah. not the top gun. Yeah, I'm going right. to guess. I am really trying to look up if there's any details about... I, I'm going, regardless, the point, the point... Regardless. Either way... <laughs> There's been multiple times where an alley cat has snuck off and got pregnant and had children. So, you know, the, the, the point the point is just building up to the cat's needle drop. The fact that Goose is pregnant has like an entire litter of what turns out to be organic uh, escape pods was just an example of the sort of bonkers um, comedic nonsense that I think more comic book movies should allow themselves to have. Because that's the fun of this genre. Yeah, let's get weird with it. And I guess let's just call it what it is. Goose is a jellical cat. Plain and simple. Like, yep. it has been proven. Goose is a jellical cat and a flurkin. <laughs> so here's the thing. I had no idea what other needle drop you were talking about because I have seen nothing involving cats. So I was like, what other... This is very specific to about? me. <laughs> I've never met Nia DaCosta before, but I feel like that was specifically for me. Like, that is my letter to you. Like, never outside of Cats the Musical has memories been used so effectively and comedically. Like, that's 10 awesome. out of 10 for me. Nice. I like but that. that's not actually my favorite scene in, in the movie. It's actually when when they go to I think the planet's called Aladna. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. This is the musical planet, and it is now confirmed. Carol Danvers is a Disney princess. Yes, she is. Can't wait for that to make more people angry. Bring it on! I want to see the stupid <laughs> comments. Oh, gosh. <laughs> 
I love how even partway through, they just went and you saw like a ray of sparkles come off of her and the dress disappear. Yes, and she transformed into her dress. But we all know Brie Larson. She started off as a singer. So like she That's right. a musical background. So I love that it kind of like played into that. And also she was Indy Adams and Scott Fulgrim and reprising her role in the Netflix animated show. So, yes. Yep. <laughs> I love how we also went. Wait, you can just talk? Yeah, he's bilingual. What? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that, that's another point, going back to all of the peculiarities of the Marvel Cosmic Universe, where language can be Groot only being able to say, I am Groot, and the people of Aladna only being able to communicate their thoughts through singing. I don't know if it was just me, but considering the planet was called Aladna, and the dress code of what they had when they first entered. I thought we were going to get an Aladdin-themed planet. <laughs> I see I see where you're going with this. <laughs> yes. I was like, who's going to call one of them a street rat? When is it happening? <laughs> I mean, it's all under Disney, so, like, technically. Exactly, yeah. That's it what is, I was it is all for a game. Are we going to see a boo just, like, cr- like, walk out onto the street? Like, we don't know. Going, was I going to see Goose get a fez later? I don't know. <laughs> I was just waiting on it. I was just like, oh man, but no, it, it was really good. All of the settings were great. All the special effects looked amazing. The suit's a part of, I have a weird comment on one, but I get why they did it. The movie was very well put together. It didn't have any fat on it. It cruised right on by. I was entertained. Yeah, as far as positives goes, it wasn't like it was it was well written everything was good as far as negatives go I'm, I'm i'm gonna get a nitpick out of the way okay not a single time was monica referred to as photon i was going yeah. to bring that up and it was kind of shocking to me that talking about all the times that he was like your mom would have been proud of you and they're they literally brought it up that they couldn't come up with what the caller i'm yeah, like you know her mom was thing and on her plane she was called photon why didn't you just say like that was your mom's call sign we can call you that or why didn't monica say that to come to think of it yeah it's so weird that they're like okay with bringing it up in other movies but they didn't hear and i don't know if she's just gonna get called that when she comes back or what's going on the main gripe that i'm going to say is um and i think we can all agree on it this is like in my bottom three of Marvel villains they've ever had. There's bordering on nothing to her. I'm I'm gonna pick up where you left off to say this. So far, not that the actress did a bad job, by the way. That's not what I mean. Right. Um <laughs> but what I'm gonna say is this. So far, in the three times that they've made a Cree one of the main villains, I don't think it's ever worked. I in general just don't love how the MCU has really not done a great job of depicting the Kree Scroll War. And I don't know whose like fault it is. It has just never felt fully cooked, if that makes any sense. I'd agree on that. Um Yeah, I'm with y'all on this because with the Kree in particular, like with this villain, she was I think Ronan is one of the worst MCU villains that we've had. And uh, for her to, 
I guess kind of bring on be more like Ronan the accuser, but she just doesn't even have the same gravitas as like Lee Pace. The one thing I like about this villain is her connection to Carol being that she was also part of Star Force when she was yep. part of the Kree. So to have that kind of connection and her witness the the fall of bringing down um, the Supreme Intelligence, I thought that was really good. But everything outside of that just kind of felt flat with her. Now, here's a question. I didn't think about this earlier. Do you think this villain would have been better used in a third movie where they had a second movie about taking down the Supreme Intelligence? And you got to see her previously. That's a good question, because something I brought up um, in the live chat of the Real Rejects spoiler discussion, I asked them because Koi and Greg did not care for this movie. Mm-hmm. I asked them if, A, a longer runtime would have ironed out some of the bugs in terms of execution, but also if there was maybe a longer runway to this specific story. If this was the culmination of a much more in-depth arc that Carol embarked on. Mm-hmm. You know, the first movie is about her figuring out who the hell she is and what she remembers, what she doesn't. And then the sequel can be taken out the Supreme Intelligence. And then three is the fallout. I feel like if they would have done a better job with the scrolls and the Kree in general, they could have done a lot of heavy lifting at that mm-hmm. in Secret Invasion. That's another complaint that I'm going to lead into. Yeah, we couldn't have that second movie, you know, like of a Carol-centric, you know, uh, Captain Marvel movie. I feel like they really shot themselves in the foot by not handling it well in something they already had with the scrolls because... That whole scene when the negotiations kind of fell flat or the peace negotiations fell apart, like that was more of the stuff that we needed in Secret Invasion. And about we don't that. even know if this takes place too, because right now, because of Secret Invasion, like the world is at war with scrolls. And like that's a non-issue in this movie. So where are we at here? Um, about that. So I think at one point, um, we, we, we all know that this movie has been delayed like six or seven times, but why that matters and how this disrupts canon, whether it does or doesn't, this movie was supposed to take place before Secret Invasion. That makes sense. And, but... and, that, and Hold on. And now that the order's reversed, it really just screws everything up. But after Secret Invasion is done, Marvel announced that Secret Invasion leads directly into the Marvels. Again, further complicating the issues with Secret Invasion. Which I'm wondering now, because they mention the Skrull and Kree peace conference in the last two minutes of Secret Invasion. Does that mean that if this timey-wimey whatever shifting around was that whole story exactly the same... And then they just mentioned the peace conference because it was coming before it now. <laughs> or I, 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 I or, would put it past them. Or what? Because honestly, if you didn't watch Secret Invasion, this movie doesn't change. No, it does not. Not not in the slightest. And this is supposed to be, according to in their words, a lead up to it. Nick doesn't look phased. 
he's just cleanly shaven now. And it doesn't ever get brought up that he was off saber. And yeah, it's it's really weird. Um, They kind of just it blows my mind that we did not get a movie about taking out the Supreme Intelligence, which is the head of the Kree. It just happens. She just goes over there pulls the plug and then runs away. <laughs> and we get the fallout that a planet's dying. <laughs> Just... A planet that used to be her home, you know, yeah. so as much as they took away her life and everything, like she was there. She lived and thrived and, you know, had a life on Hala. So like, yeah, that does feel very lazy of her or just like, negligent even and you know i do like that they did show in the marbles that carol really wanted to make everything right before she came home and like she did Mm -hmm. make so many mistakes and she didn't want to show those mistakes to monica and i feel like we do that often in our own lives Mm -hmm. so i think that's very human but in the same sense for her to go that long as she has been trying to help the squirrels out for years and only now, 30 years later, only now is she thinking of the ramifications. That does feel very, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, the only, like, explanation I can think of, like, headcan-wise is after she did the thing taking out the supreme intelligence, her just being, like, so stoic and kind of a workaholic, rather than coming home and letting herself be vulnerable, it almost feels like she spent, like, the next 30 years keeping herself busy, being more involved in helping out other planets other galaxies even as sort of a way to deflect from her own guilt and having to face her family and then not helped by the blip where monica was gone for five years Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. another question that i have to ask and it's one thing that i was wondering how they're going to deal with in this movie because some people have complained about it in the avengers movie we watched captain marvel have a fist fight (laughs) with Thanos and almost win. <laughs> we also saw her single-handedly take down a Star Destroyer the size of a planet by flying through it. Is one problem, because I had someone complain about it, that they had to come up with a villain that made it so that Captain Marvel didn't solve this movie's problems in two minutes. Because she's at that power level to where if... Captain Marvel sees something she really shouldn't have an issue taking care of it. Is that going to be what can become a difficult way to write a Superman movie sometimes to where what thing, if it's not idea wise, is there a problem with Carol just not needing an hour in 45 minute long movie to be like that person's trying to kill a planet? Cool. I'm going to destroy them by breathing. (laughs) Um, about that, um, how how many people, and you guys can comment uh, below, how many people remember, at least from the X-Men animated series, how Rogue gets her powers? I do. <laughs> and I don't know if they're going to, I hope somehow that that happens because I want that version of Rogue if we're going to have Rogue to the X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're going to yeah. get a rogue, guys. Oh, I know we are. I just we need, need that the sassy Southern Belle leather jacket wearing doesn't give a crap. I'll beat the tar out of you, rogue. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I, I sincerely hope that happens. And 
the re the reason I I mentioned that is because I I was reminded of of that when when they're on the water planet Aladna, when Carol is, is fighting um, what what's what's the villain's name like? That's a good question. Dar, uh, Dar Darben. Darben. Okay. Yeah. And like she she grabs onto the like the bangle and she starts absorbing her power. That's that's yeah. what it reminded me of. Yeah, exactly. They made it so that. The villain, what like that was what some of the complaints are. It's like the villain's just a battery that doesn't let her do what she needs to do, and that's why she needed whatever. It's like it's not a like I got that. That was cool that you could find a way to neutralize a person without using something that was like kryptonite, basically, to where she yeah. was just walking around, and it allowed for like we said the f- cool fight scenes and like the switching. That was a really inventive way to be like you can't just one punch KO the villain right away because yeah, that happened. Well, that's. That's what I like about good storytellers who know how to inject strategy into fight scenes involving people who are otherwise invulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's 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 not about how hard you punch. It's about how you use your powers or when to hold back or mm-hmm. any other sort of like restrictions that don't really feel forced, you know? Yeah. Um, the other is a weird thing, and I need to ask you guys this, um, if it's something I missed. We have all the movie taking place completely away from Saber. And what were they repairing or what were they working on at the beginning of the movie? Because what I'm wondering is what caused 50% of the escape pods to not work? Because it wasn't the villain. Oh, it was just one of the Flurkins, like, just swallowed up a, uh, well, actually, no. Because we didn't get the, the any other Flurkin other than Goose until after we needed to be in the escape pods. So did I just miss something for why all the pods stopped working? I thought that part of them, like, went up in flames, and that's powers. why they were down so many. It wasn't at the beginning, because they were doing repairs on the outside when the jump when the yeah yeah when the thing when that happened Mm -hmm. um i have only seen it once so my memory is not sharp on that and then that whole scene was distracted by memories for me so yeah no no i get it it's just like all that destruction started happening and i was like what actually caused this to work? Because the villain's not here but i very well could have missed something it's just that was a weird one where i went i don't know why the stations going to crap but yeah, yeah uh the the last one and i don't know if this could have been flushed out a little bit better i am an overly emotional person i get sad at a lot of things like i'll tell you right now i can't watch endgame without tearing up when sam says on your left and you see people start coming through i turn into the 10 year old child that was in that theater and again apologies to the mom and the son that were next to me because i was having an out-of-body experience and might have said a few things your child shouldn't have heard (laughs) i was very excited i like captain america just a little bit but i didn't really get anything out of the i know it wasn't a sacrifice they lost lost her could they done a little bit better of job with the split off is that just me or i that scene actually kind of worked for me just because of when they went back in the memories to see you know where 
the map or whatever. Uh-huh. And we had this, the moment, the memories of Carol talking with Maria and intercutting with scenes of Monica coming back from the blip and stuff like just further cementing like their connection to each other and even the scene that they had just the two of them when it was still a little bit awkward and I'm like why didn't you come home or whatever and yeah I think that worked for me would I like one more scene before we had that probably um But I did think it worked for what we had. And this was an hour, 45 minute movie. We had places to go, people to see. And they, as far as the emotional moments went for those three main characters, I think they split them up kind of well. And especially keeping Kamala's family involved because she, that's so important to her to have that emotional touch point. Uh-huh. And then to for Monica and Carol to have that emotional touch point with each other throughout the movie, I thought was really good. I wish we had one more scene between the two of them, but I didn't cry over it. I also was pretty bummed, like, why does she have to be on the other side of it to close it up, which I feel like she could have done it the opposite direction, yeah. but... That's yeah. you know, yeah. movies been a movie. Yeah, we have places to be, obviously, in that mid credit scene, which that I think was the more emotionally affecting scene of. Yeah, spoilers, yeah. but you know. Yeah, no, I um, just to jump off on on that. I think if, if I had to speak negatively about that scene, I would say in hindsight, and this is after a second watch, one could argue that the execution of that moment may feel mechanical if it means getting someone to that other dimension as a vessel for introducing the X-Men. But I also think that it's a nice callback to how Carol left the Rambo family at the end of the first Captain Marvel. And this is like, kind of mirroring that moment. There you go. All right. Yeah, that's a really good point, honestly. All right. Now, before we turn into absolute nerds and talk about the end, the, we're, I'm going to call them two end credit scenes because it was they an are. end credit scene that was stuck in the movie for some reason. Any other overall thoughts on the rest of the movie that you want to get out? Um, yeah, I just think it's fun. And because we are rebuilding the MCU, I'm kind of tired of box office analysts making comparisons of where Marvel used to be uh, because we shouldn't be comparing Marvel movies to Avengers Endgame or even anything in Phase 3 because it was all building towards... But Meredith, did you know that a superhero movie, unless it makes a billion dollars, is a failure? (laughs) I hate that so much. I hate it. I hate that so much. But that's the thing, though, because I guess because everybody got so used to Marvel being the juggernaut, it's kind of a nice reality to wake up of, like, there were comic book fans before the MCU, and there's going to be comic book fans after the success of the MCU. Not just that, but um, there there was a time, even in the golden slash silver age of comics, where superheroes weren't always the king of the hill. Before Marvel, as we know it, was formed... Like, there was a time in the 50s where superheroes were, like, not the king of the hills. People would rather read, like, horror titles or westerns, even even just, like, sci-fi in general. So it's fine if the MCU is taken down 
a notch. That's one little ick that I have with movies, period, now, that ever since we started getting blockbusters for like six years straight where they were pre-regularly making a billion dollars, that's that stupid benchmark that has been put in every... That's partially why I hate social media. <laughs> yeah. Everyone can say it now. Well, the movie didn't make a billion dollars, so it sucked and it didn't. You're like, shut up. Disney makes a billion dollars a month because of Disney+. Plus. They're fine. Yeah. They just finished buying out Hulu for another $7 billion. They're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they have money to burn. To Apple, but whatever. That's a different story. Yeah. Um, I mean, do I want their output moving forward to be better in quality? Absolutely. I want every studio to be putting out their best material. But it's also okay if not everything is, you know, 10 out of 10 best thing ever. Competition breeds excellence. It just sucks that the people that are above the really smart person that wants to make movies like setting every intellectual property that's going to be their competition on fire. Fire Zaslaw, for the love of God. It's, yeah, I don't know what is going on over there. And I saw the trailer for Aquaman 2, and I have no interest in seeing the movie because, like, outside of Barbie and Dune, like, I'm not sure what's happening over there at Warner Brothers. And it's just really disappointing. It is. And like after a year, you're going to make more money. You, you that movie would have made back thirty million dollars from parents alone. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. drunk? <laughs> anyway, do you have anything else that you wanted to say? Um, I I think I've pretty much said my piece. That this movie is just fun. It feels like one of the most expensive uh, fan films from a director and a team of writers who just who just kind of relish in this material and want to just play around in the sandbox. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm happy with what we got with this and for something to make me feel like I'm having fun with Marvel again. And even if it this is more like phase one, phase two feelings about Marvel, like that is fine. Like, you you've done more than enough to keep me around Mm -hmm. and i'm very excited to see what will happen next i'm excited for nita costa i'm excited for all of the creatives involved because they show that there's still fun to be had with all of this and i just want nothing but good things for the people involved with this movie absolutely all right now speaking of phase one we had the dorkiest recreation of an end credit scene on the planet. Um, and here's where I'm going to inject my nitpick regarding that scene, because the scene itself is great. I love it. But if the intention was to pay homage to the first Iron Man and it's like iconic singer, then this should have literally been a, a post credit scene. So here's my thing with that. I think that we, as an audience, have, I think phase four was the worst offenders of this. And I will say that as somebody who loves a lot of phase four individually, they kind of lost themselves with their mid and post credit scenes. Genuinely, they were introducing new characters or like 
these people like, oh, let's shock value and then we'll never see them again. And we kind of need to build back up to making credit and post-credit scenes matter. That's why I really like the one from Ant-Man 3 for all the issues I have with that movie, even though I enjoyed it more than most people. And even the stuff with Guardians 3. This one, I feel like instead of because they were trying to get people in and out out in 45 minutes, I'm fine with them tacking the what would have been the mid-credit scene to the end of the movie. Um, and also, Kamala wouldn't know exactly what Nick Fury said to Tony Stark. I don't think she asked him that. I think that was more fun oh, for us. And Lonnie Delaney uh-huh. is a super fan of Marvel. She was the one on set telling everybody what was going on in the MCU. Like, I love her for that. So if she got to have fun and play with, like, I'm putting together a team like <laughs> Nick Fury, I mean, absolutely fine. Um, the one thing I was expecting, I'm like, if that light turns on and she has an eye patch and a jacket, I'm going to jump out of my seat. <laughs> everyone who watched that movie would have hated it, but the guy who was understanding she's a Marvel super fan would have loved it. Mm-hmm. And of all people, I'm sitting there watching the movie. I'm like, who the balls has a book? Okay, awesome. <laughs> like it took me a second to click, and then I saw the dog. I'm like, they actually have. To- yeah, when oh, he's oh, there, I was like, wait, this is just a dog. <laughs> no, that's it's a dog. And just, oh my gosh, I freaked, and I was hitting my dad like, that's gay, that's gay. Um, exactly, and like I just seen an interview where she was doing something where she's like. Yeah, I've been calling Marvel. I'm ready to do whatever, whenever you need me. I love you people that there's these movies that love you to death. I know. Well, this kind of reminded me of the same way that Florence Pugh was for Hawkeye when she was being like, I'm around. And then she pops up uh, Yelena Belova with Kate Bishop. And they were fantastic. And because Kate is a super fan like Kamala is, this was like the... Outside of her meeting Peter Parker, like, which I need to happen desperately now, like, her meeting Kate was perfect. And the fact that she already name-dropped Cassie Lang, too. Like, she knows of the other younger people. She has her own iPad. She's like, I know how to get in contact with these people. That means America Chavez is next. That means the twins are coming up next. It means um, Isaiah, or not Isaiah Bradley, um, his grandson. Oh, um, oh crap! Oh, I know who you're talking about. Oh about no! Patriot. Yes. Uh, give his name off the top uh, of my head. Eli Bradley. There you go. Yep. Thanks. Um, so, Meredith, I'm sorry. I oh, Aunt Ironheart. Yes. Yeah. Ironheart. Um, I'm sorry. I have to give one spoiler for the Loki finale. That's fine. Um, this is the second. Um, reference to Quantumania I've heard this week. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to elaborate. I'm just going to leave it at there. Well, I mean, you... was in it, so that doesn't necessarily shock I mean, me. I mean, you're going to be able to figure that one out for yourself. It's 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 Maybe. just a very. It's one of those like you know people like and rightfully sometimes, but I think it's way more complained about than what actually happens because as soon as a complaint happens, everyone likes to echo it, even if they haven't seen the thing people are complaining about just because, again, yeah. they have social media and I want to be cool too, where like 
they're forcing MCU references and herper derper derper derper. No one understands it. This is one of the more natural ones where they were just like, they would talk about that. That is a conversation they would have. And they used a great opportunity to have that conversation. Good to yeah. know. Good to know. Um, um, yeah. But, 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 going, but going back to the scene itself, I really do love that Kate Bishop is the first person to interact with Kamala because we know how big a fan both of them are of superheroes just existing in their world and then them becoming superheroes in their own right. It, 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 was, it, was, just, it was just the perfect colliding of each other's worlds. It was, and I'm pretty sure they knew out of all of them that like Ironheart was in a movie recently and like Cassie was just in a movie. We're like, we're going to bring in the one that hasn't been in a movie yet. Yep. Yeah. So get her up to speed. And out of all of them, that would have been the most down to earth to talk to. Kate's it. She's like an archery kid that lives around New York. Well, I'm just down the street in Jersey. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Which. Also, I think is genius that it was her. I know they've been jumping around uh, release dates because, you know, it's gone through a lot. But the fact that it released in November, you had Kate Bishop in that scene. That's perfect opportunity for you to watch Hawkeye again in December. Yes. And then leads you into Echo in January. They did not plan that. But I also would like to think that it worked out in their favor to do that that's that's a great point and i like it's it's been a few years since i've seen hawkeye but we should not take for granted the fact that some people will now consider that a uh holiday tradition yeah it's also my holiday tradition i did that last year i want i I'd probably saying her name wrong but alakwa cox the girl who played her is yeah. i learned recently is from Wisconsin. I love you even more now. <laughs> That's amazing. And the echo looks great. That it was does. another oh, that was another one. Wilson Fisk got nerfed in this. He got hit by a car, got an explosion to the face, got shot in the head, and survived. Oh, you can shut up. <laughs> yeah. But uh I, yeah. I'm so excited for it. It gives it gives Netflix Daredevil's vibes, which makes me very, very excited for Daredevil Born Again because like if they're channeling that into Echo, how much more are they gonna actually bring back into Daredevil? And I know they're rehauling it right now and they've yeah. got proper showrunners and all that. I hope that is a great course correction for them. But when I see an echo right now and the fact that they're dropping all the episodes together so you can binge it, it's their first time doing it. And I don't know. I feel like it could work really well in their favor this time. Part of me is wondering if the reason they're dropping it all at once is because this is their first TV MA series. And maybe, maybe they don't really want to linger too much on the fact that a company that is for the most part, family friendly is going in a more mature direction. And, or, or it could just be that the story this time flows more like a five hour movie than, than even some of their other Disney plus shows. It is weird considering that's coming up with the acquisition and the rumor that Hulu is just going to be completely phased into Disney. 
Hulu was where they stuck their more adult stuff that they didn't just put on Disney. So yep. I'm going to be like, are you making a Marvel Knights or Disney Plus After Dark? <laughs> you have yeah. to be 18 to enter thing. But uh, all right. So the other post credit scene, cue the 90s sit guitar lick here. <laughs> She's sitting in the, th- the room and we get to see her talking with her mom and she's not she's talking to a different version of her mom and you get to see Frazier himself coming in looking like actual 90s comic book tv show beast we got him back they're fully aware that if you don't need to replace him don't mm-hmm. who cares if they were in other movies it works and she's fully in another universe just in the yeah. x-men mansion she is in the X-Men mansion. They are talking about Charles Xavier. I know we've already seen him in Multiverse of Madness. It doesn't matter because we have these, we have her mom, which again, that was a more emotionally effective scene watching her reunite with her mom and being like, I, where am I? Where are we? I missed you. Like just her breaking down. Like Tiana Parrish is a fantastic actress. But then Beast, like you see his feet and you're like, oh, Beast! And the first second it was like, Nichols Holt, is that you? And then no, it's um, it's it's him, it's Kelsey Grammer. It's Kelsey Grammer. We're here, guys. We're doing it. Like I was telling them in the thing, I was like, I was in a theater of mostly younger kids and some of their parents, and I'm talking and I'm watching this scene, and this guy makes this comment, and I was like, Frazier? And like no one else recognized it. I'm like, ah. That makes me feel like something at the Smithsonian. How am I the only one who like, who is Frazier? I'm like, oh yeah, I'm around children. No one else knows this. And then all of a sudden they did that so well because they have the hospital bed. So all you see is the coat. So if no one recognizes his voice right away, then it gets past and you see the blue and they show the really sculpted like hairdo this time around. Yep. Oh. Now is, is that like, prosthetics or is it i don't know no i don't think it's i don't i think it's all cg i do not think they it looks beautiful in. either way yeah like yeah the fact that i had to ask is is a compliment to the vfx artists which i'm so glad they're unionizing and i hope they mm-hmm. get treated better so yes, i love marvel movies strong. but they, in solidarity um yeah guys we're finally doing it we've fought like they have been teasing out X-Men stuff since WandaVision. We got Evan Peters, Quicksilver first, and Bonaire. then we got Molly <laughs> Pot, which, yeah. What a, what a misdirect. They were messing with us, which is fine. And then we got Kamala being like, you have a mutation in your system with the X-Men theme playing in the background. Yes. And now we have... <laughs> We have binary, we have beast, we are, we, I get, yes, we had Patrick Stewart and Multiverse of Madness, but like, I don't think that counts, honestly. I'm sorry. Like, it was great to see him, but like, this feels like we are finally getting ready to use the X Men in the MCU that we're in, the, and which is perfect because we are getting Deadpool 3 next summer, yep. which is going to have. Deadpool and Wolverine hopping through the multiverse, different realities, wherever, 
and we're gonna have a lot more of this which is yeah interesting. and like the rumors that the tva has been spotted filming scenes and like i was telling these two off screen was that every rumor on the planet and everyone i say this with all of my heart and with my full chest if you see something come from we got this covered or comicbook.com crumple it in a little ball and throw it out your window now <laughs> hold on hold going on, on. I, going, going on from there hold, hold on i have i have one on my own that i posted a couple weeks ago um so there, there was there, there was a football game like I think last month, um, where Taylor Swift was there with Ryan Reynolds, Blake, mm -hmm. Blake Lively, Sean Levy, all like that whole group. Andrew yes. Jackman. Andrew Jackman. So that got my brain uh, turning. You and every other person that was available to get a textable device. <laughs> Um, Wait a minute, there's no blog person that sees you know, X-Men? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, hold on. I need to get a little bit more specific. So I, I was thinking, since Swift is still on her Eras tour, and the movie still has, like, I think, what, 50% of uh, principal photography? Mm -hmm. It would not take that much effort to, depending on where they have left, like, to shoot location wise to i don't know for one of the nights of of her show have one of the surprise opening acts be dazzler performing in character oh absolutely and all they would have to and they could just have a stage and have her dressed up as dazzler and have extras there it would take no time so i'll do you one even better she was photographed leaving sean levy's apartment in new york a few days after that football oh, game. Of, of course. <laughs> now. So, and Sean has been on record, like, all these rumors just do as good at this point. Like, mm -hmm. and he also said it was very easy to get all the cameos that are going to be in this movie. Yeah. So, I have a feeling, as much as I like Taylor Swift, I... No, it's not going to be shocking if she's Dazzler and is able to do something for Deadpool 3. I also think that's not even going to be the craziest cameo we get in that movie. No, I don't. No. It's going to be one of those, like, almost one of those blink and you miss it things. Kind of, like like how, Brad Pitt in Deadpool yes. 2? That's yes. what I was going to bring up about how easy it is going to get. And, like, we've heard rumors of literally everyone from Jennifer Garner as Electra to be yes. in this film. And Sean saying it in an interview, pouring the gas labeled easy to get cameos all over that fire. We're going to see some unbelievably stupid things like what we saw in Multiverse where John Skrzynski, who's been said to be, should be Mr. Fantastic for freaking years, showed up and everyone went, <gasps> we're going to see stuff like I would almost bet my house that we're finally going to see Channing Tatum as Gambit in that movie. Oh, oh my right. gosh, we're totally going to see Channing Everyone Tatum. forgot that was going to be a thing. And then it never was. <laughs> we are so getting that. Oh we have God. to. No, you because they are going to make every joke about how Fox didn't greenlight all these different things. Exactly. They are 100% going to have Channing Tatum in this movie. Oh, my God. By, by, by the way, Brock, do you remember that uh, Tatum had a cameo in uh, Free Guy? Yep. Yes. I do. I do. 
And I know that Ryan Reynolds is po- quite possibly the one of the most liked person in Hollywood. That again, Brad Pitt literally said to be in the movie, pour, I want Ryan Reynolds to pour me a cup of coffee. And he said, in quote, it took less time to film the scene than to drink the cup of coffee. <laughs> so when you're the nicest people in Hollywood and people are kind of dying to be in a Deadpool movie because it's Deadpool and it's a movie from what we can gather about hopping through crap, we are going to basically might see an actual Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe movie. That's what I've been wanting since <laughs> day one when he was like, we're we're in the MCU, uh, yeah. is Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe. Also, speaking of Free Guy, we got a cameo of Chris Evans in that movie. Would he put? Would he pick up the shield just to get killed by Deadpool? In no, I think he would put back on the Human Torch outfit. That's that's possible. I've been waiting for that. <laughs> Him and Michael B. Jordan in Secret Wars. I want them both to show up as Human Torch. Oh my God! That's my hot take. Bring like they're all of them there's gonna be so much unbelievably stupid garbage like the one that i want to happen because it was the most teased x-men thing ever and never happened we got like 14 different setups to have mr sinister as a villain and we never got it Mm -hmm. so we could finally get john ham as mr sinister we could or just or just have a fox exec (laughs) there you go and we're like, I want there to also just be like a scene in the movie where Deadpool's just like on a computer, like in the end credits scene, where he's like, well, how does he end up in there? And he just, you see him clicking a file on a computer desktop and like dropping it in an MCU folder. Here. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want something it's stupid. Like, done. <laughs> there's think, so much. There's so much material that they can pull on now because of the writer strike and the actor strike being done. I, and so much has happened within the MCU as far as like the recent variety cover story about trouble at Marvel with uh, people like feeling superhero fatigue. Like they have so much material to play into to bring as uh, I feel like with the rest of this movie that they're doing, it's going to get nuts. And it's going to get so meta, I can't wait for okay. that. Now, here, well. now, here's a question. Um, do you think it's going to keep its July 2024 release date? Or considering that-, that Ryan Reynolds already said, we don't know when, but it's going to be in 2024? <laughs> no, I don't think it is. <laughs> I expect that's going to be like September or October. Because they know. they missed a full three months of shooting. That's true. Yeah. And, and with the VFX artists unionizing and stuff, like, I don't think they're going to be able to necessarily, like, turn around their VFX that fast in order to make the July release date. I think, like, we're not done seeing shifting schedules with yeah. uh, moving forward just because of fallout from the strikes. But, you know... I'm excited for it. I'm excited for more mutants now that are in the MCU and we can actually not just tease them. Let's start doing something with them. That's the one thing I am concerned about as much as like, I'm very excited for more X-Men. I'm more excited for fantastic four just because we've never really had fantastic four done well. And uh, I mean, I love the campy early two thousands one, like that's, me i enjoy it but 
I want to see Kevin Feige have fun with the Fantastic Four. Can't wait for that to get cast. I I have a feeling it's already been cast, and now they're going to announce it. But with the mutants, there's so much richness there. Um, oh, and we're getting the animated series again. Like yes. that is right around the corner yes. too. So now we have the chance to let's play with the X Men. There's so much more there. There's so much you can tell with them. I just don't want them to be this spectacle tease, like those mid credit and end credit scenes from the phase four movies you know like here are these like deep cut characters and then you're just not going to see them again for a while the x-men like if you have the x-men now you have to invest in them you have Mm -hmm. to take their time with them because there's so much more to do and deadpool gets to be fun with the x-men because Mm -hmm. yes it's deadpool like he is what's left from fox and Mm -hmm. marvel and he gets to kill the marvel universe and that's going to be fun yes yeah but after okay. that you've yeah. got to you have to dive in mm-hmm. deep with them because otherwise what are what is this all for no i get it i agree with you completely they need to take their time with the x-men because again fox fumbled the bag so bad they never needed any other marvel characters other than the x-men they could have got a full slate out of just having apocalypse as a villain but he was in one movie Anyway, mm-hmm. the other the other thing is I was going to bring up with that Deadpool movie. A, She-Hulk made sure they have to step their game up in fourth wall breaks and stupidness because she literally yeah. went to the Marvel offices. Two, I'm sad that the one cameo that should happen if we're doing an actual adaptation of Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, we can't have because Stan passed away. Uh. Because at the end of Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe, he goes into the writer's room. But I have a feeling because of that, that might be the first movie where we actually see Kevin Feige in the movie. Oh, oh not Kevin. That's, that's one not way to up the ante. But... You might actually see it, and Kevin Feige would be a big enough nerd to go, "Yeah, Deadpool can kill me on screen. I don't care." <laughs> but... I would pay big money to see that, just for yeah. kicks and giggles, and like he. Kevin started with X-Men. He was an associate producer on the mm-hmm. X-Men. A lot of people forget like, about that. Yeah. Yeah. Here's about the mutants. And X-Men, yeah, it needs to be, it's kind of crazy how they were going to make the Inhumans their X-Men because they couldn't use X-Men. Oh, God, I forgot and that. Went, <laughs> <laughs> and now they have them. We got one last breath of, hey, this is how cool the Inhumans could have been with Black Bolt for five minutes. And then now we actually have the X-Men. And if you, again, take your time, they can be a whole separate Avengers team of cool people that you can just use wonderfully. If you cast that main group well, you can do so much. It's unreal what you can fathom. If you just started off slow, for the love of God, we do not need Magneto instantly. No, no. Save Magneto for, well, save, save Magneto for like deeper into the exploration of the X-Men. Because as soon as you get Magneto into Marvel, it's going to become harder and harder to be power balancing because once you get fantastic four as well eventually you have to introduce doom and those are the two most we don't mess with them characters ever that is hard to explain where they are 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, one, I don't know. One, one more, one more thing about um, X Men territory that we needn't cross again for at least a decade. Let's put Dark Phoenix on ice. Until... Have Dark Phoenix be their end game. Yes. Yes. That's save, what it should Save that for so far down the road. Like, do not touch the Phoenix saga, the Dark Phoenix storyline. Let's just put Jean Grey even on ice for a bit. And, and I'm... Yes. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that because Jean Grey is an important character, but don't shove the entire story into one film. Yeah. Let it build and build. Yes. Because that also, is a thing that you can make Cyclops, an Avengers movie. Give us more. Like, I love Wolverine. I love Logan. Logan is my favorite Marvel movie. I argue it's the best live action Marvel movie we've ever had. Like, I love it. I want to spend time with the other X-Men. Like, give us more of Storm. Give us more of Jubilee. Give us more of Rogue. Like, actually, like, have a good version. But, but that version yes. of Jubilee was fine, but they barely used her. I actually want they to see her. They barely used her. I actually want to see her throwing fireworks at people. Yes. <laughs> like, I want to have time with the X-Men. And I agree with what you were saying earlier about Magneto. Like, please hold off on using Magneto or introducing mm-hmm. him. Because, yeah. like, he is such a big villain, a big boss villain to have, and to have Dr. Doom hopefully in the fold, too. Like, yeah, we need to take our time <laughs> to get and, to. And, yeah. like, I haven't watched it yet, but the fact that they've done Gen V and we're yes. now going to have an institute with students, you need to step your game up because you're going to start getting compared and it needs to be good. And this is a chance to have some young aspiring actors get some shots. And lick their chops to really get into stuff like this. If you cast that main cast well, and I'm okay with them, like bringing back Kelsey Grammer full time as Beast. Like there's some of those where you're just like, it ain't broke. Do not don't don't fix it. Seriously, mm-hmm. there's there's no need. But if you're going to bring in some other people that aren't basically just doing voices, take your time and invest. My goodness. We talked about Fantastic Four before. My favorite Fantastic Four movie is the beginning 30 minutes of Fan Four Stick. Making the Fantastic Man, Four. Fan Four Stick could have been so good. Making and... them a science experiment gone wrong for how they get their powers, which is essentially what actually happens. Yep. <laughs> was a yeah. really good idea. <laughs> it's, it's everything after the one year later uh, time yeah. card that you screwed mean, everything up. You mean where everything in the trailers wasn't in the movies? <laughs> Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Man, but, that Fanforsic was the movie that like I wanted to walk out of and I didn't. I stayed through the end, but it was the one movie I was ready to. That's why I want so one thing I'll say, and I guess to tie it with the Marvels really quick, like I care about casting and like I think there's been such a big desire to like put big name people into uh marvel and stuff because everybody wants to have fun in marvel that's fine but i think the best casting we've got recently was amon balani as mm-hmm. kamala khan and not just her but also Alpha cox for echo uh so she Gomez as america america so she Gomez, yes 
I like that we are getting more unknowns to play yes. characters, and I want them. I want the Fantastic Four, the four core characters, to be unknown actors. I don't want them to be big name A list people. Um, that is my big hot take. I'm sure I'm going to be totally wrong when they finally announce it, but you know, some of their best casting decisions have been the complete unknowns, though this is their first major roles. And I want to champion that. I want them. So yeah, you want to invest in the mutants? Like, let's not have the big name stars. Let's get the unknowns and turn them into stars because we don't have that machine anymore, I guess. But I... I, Afraid to bring in weirdos. Yes. And and with the Fantastic Four, too. Yeah, like yeah. the di- the difference between where we are now and where we were back in phase one. Now, Marvel Studios has access to the heavy hitters, so you don't need to rely on big stars because the characters are the stars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And yeah, it's gonna be good. Uh, yeah, I just oh, I can't. Yeah, and finally, I still trust. And Sarah Holly Fenn, the head casting director, I I have full confidence in them still. Like, yes, Marvel has been through its ups and downs post Endgame, and not everything has been a hit. Like, I find the Marvels perfectly fine. It's not aggressively fine. It's not bad. It's just a fun time. I don't need them to be Endgame every movie out the gate. I exactly. like that they're taking their time and they still have me. Okay. Like at the end of the day, I'm still a fan of this. I'm still going to show up every time. And Feige really hasn't steered me wrong much. So like, I, I'm excited to see what is in store. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm very excited that it'll be fun to see films that were Fox properties not get made because they had a deadline to not have them lose the properties. <laughs> yeah, I actually care. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, Meredith, thank you so much for coming along. I'd love to have you around more. This was a ton of fun. Where can everybody find you on social media and what are you all doing? Oh, man. Well, I am everywhere and I am nowhere. I'm just kidding. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter. I'm not calling it X. Uh, Instagram, Letterboxd, Blue Sky, and Threads, all at Meredith Loftus. You can read my uh, features over at Collider. I'm writing reviews for uh, Oscar Central and I write some stuff for Marvelous Geeks. And in fact, I will have a re- my review of the Marvels up on oscar central sometime early next week so check that out nice mike you guys can find me on various social media at captain k42 you can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash coach k42 and you can follow renegade pop culture on facebook and that place at ren pop culture you can also find us on youtube on Podchaser. subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash renegade pop culture Listen to all of our podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. And last but not least, everything can be found at renegadepopculture.com. Need an escape? So do we. Absolutely. You can find me. Here we go. The social media platform formerly known as Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Threads, Blue Sky. I'm starting to use my Instagram now, though, that I'm actually cosplaying and going to be going to events again. Everywhere at Organoid Zero. I'll be finally back to Twitch streaming, by the way. 
I was binging a bunch of stuff and like was getting ready for that con. So I'll be back to Twitch streaming. But yes, Meredith again, thank you for stopping by. This is a fantastic discussion and we will see you all next time.